BAM Radio Network. So what are what are educators doing wrong in their efforts to try to connect to black girls? Oftentimes, mm-hmm. teachers fall into um, the savior complex, wherein they want to take care of black girls. And we, and we white teachers, that's white savior, that's, that's our thing. Welcome to Classroom Q&A. This is Larry Ferlazzo. Researchers have found that black girls are suspended in school twice as much than white girls, and it's not due to worse behavior. Today, we'll be exploring this and other discipline disparities affecting black girls. Today's guests are Terry Watson, Yolanda Celia Ruiz, and Venus Evans Winters. You can also read their written commentaries on this topic in a special series that Terry Watson is editing at Classroom Q&A in Education Week Teacher. Welcome, everybody. Can you share details on how school discipline disparities affect black girls? Terry? Black girls are suspended more than all other girls and most boys in all 50 states in the nation. This is problematic on many fronts as we found that there is a cultural disconnect between many of the teachers and the black girls that they are charged to care for. To further look at the impact of this disparity, I asked my colleagues to speak life, if you will, to the experiences that black girls experience in K through 12 schools. In addition, I asked black girls to speak to us about what they encounter on a day-to-day basis. Great. Yolanda, would you like to add to that? Sure. You know, I think often about um, my life as a black girl, just the disparities that I experienced. And I think what's most um, hurtful is that here it is many decades later and it is the same situation. Um, Black girls are suspended for wearing their hair in braids. Um, um, Their bodies are over-policed in ways that are unconscionable. I think what comes to mind for me was a kindergartner, I believe the state was Missouri, where she was playing with her beaded hair and the teacher decided she didn't like the movement of her body and she cut off, she brought the child to the front of the classroom and cut off her braid. You know, when I think about some of the things that Black girls are subjected to in schools, I, I just know that we have to do better. We have to do much better. And Venus? Yeah, school discipline disparities actually have short-term and long-term consequences for Black girls. In particular, what we're seeing is uh, it affects Black girls' self-esteem, their overall self-concept. It has consequences to their academic achievement, as well as peer relationships. In particular, these uh, discipline disparities can lead to bullying, peer-to-peer bullying, as well as adult bullying or teacher bullying of Black girls. There's also some evidence of isolation, which may re-traumatize Black girls in schools or traumatize them initially. Uh, As far as long-term consequences, we also see a connection between the feminization of poverty and early experience, discipline experiences in schools. We also see the impact of depression or on girls' moods and identities. Um, but we also see pathways to criminalization. And do you think implicit biases and explicit racism are the causes, or are there other reasons? Venus? What we have to consider when we're looking at black girls in particular, especially our school discipline policies within and between districts, as well as classroom practices, Larry, we really have to consider both race and gender 
it's really difficult to separate the two. So we know that there's a such thing as racial microaggressions. We also know there's a thing uh, that can be described as gender microaggressions. But what we see with black girls and other girls of color are both beginning to intersect. So you may have specific uh ideas or you may have specific uh, expectations of a black girl that you may that may be different from say a black boy or a Latino boy or from a white girl. So there okay. it's both it's race and gender. So what happens in a, a classroom setting, for example, is that you actually have teachers who have certain expectations of girls of color. They have certain stereotypes of black girls. So it's not just girls, nor is it just a particular racial group. So when you think of a black girl, when you think of a black woman, how should she behave? She should be nice. Or maybe you perceive her as aggressive because of stereotypes we have in society. And we begin to base our expectations of girls' behaviors based off our stereotypes and our expectations of gender groups and racial groups. And can you give a short and simple definition of a microaggression? So a microaggression is more subtle behaviors or more subtle attitudes that we have about individuals or groups of people that shape our behaviors toward them. So a microaggression might be is in the U.S., in the U.S. context, we have expectations of girls. And that's usually uh, they should be friendly. They should be happy. They should be willing to be caregivers. And so historically, African-American girls and, and black women overall have been seen as caretakers. So when that young girl, when that black girl walks into her sixth grade math class, there's an expectation from her teacher that, oh, can you help me erase the board or can you go help another student with their homework as opposed to allowing that black girl to be a leader in her math classroom? So a leader might be, uh, can you help the teacher with teaching algebra as opposed to helping the teacher take care of other students? And if the girl say resist, no, I don't want to erase boards today. I came to learn, you know, algebra or I don't even feel like I'm, I'm having a bad day. What if I don't feel like smiling? And so those expectations and those stereotypes, they intersect and teachers begin to make decisions. They begin to hand out rewards and punishments. And that's when it becomes a problem for black girls. Gotcha. Yolanda? What I'd like to do is just quickly shift some of the work that I've been doing with departments of education and colleges across the country is this notion of having educators do an archaeological dig of the self, an excavation of the self. I call it archaeology of the self. So really looking at where do these issues of bias and racism and other phobias that really affect Black girls, where does that live within them? And so for me, um, we recognize what these issues are, but if teachers are not and educators are not really trying to examine themselves to find out the genesis of these biases that they hold towards Black girls, then they're never going to really be able to change them and address them. And this is why we find ourselves in the cycle. As much as we know about the problem, the problem still persists and in some ways intensifies. And so for me, what I'd like to do is not only give Black girls space, but also have educators really have deep and honest conversations at looking at how their racist beliefs and practices are really impacting negatively on Black girls in schools. Are you finding openness among educators to do that kind of reflection? 
Um, there is openness. Of course, there's resistance because the status quo is, is quite strong, particularly in New York City, I would say, with the funds that are coming for culturally responsive education and specifically around implicit bias, educators understand that this is now part of their job. Right. Uh, Terry? Yes, I totally agree with both what Yolanda and Venus says, and I'd like to center it squarely, not only on race, but on white privilege, to be exact, and look at the ways in which schools uphold white privilege and whiteness, if you will. So teachers, both black, white, even Hispanic, Asian, Native American, they have these values and norms that are based on a reality that black girls can never align to fundamentally. So there are certain attributes that are seen more positive, being fairer skin or being soft-spoken or being less aggressive. These norms are usually attributed, if you will, to white women. They're seen as Gentile and in need of um, a savior of sorts. I know it's somewhat um, patriarchal what I'm saying, but if you look at the way society norms whiteness and white women in particular, there's these um, images of womanhood that is actually kind of oxymoronic for black women. Many black girls see their mothers who had households who are um, self-employed and who are taking care of them and siblings for other historical reasons. You know, black women by and large are the head of the household, but they have an attitude, uh, uh, inner strength, if you will, that I don't think schools celebrate enough. I don't think schools see how black girls are passionate and positive and their determination and they call it grit, but I think for us it's simply who we are. Mm-hmm. And who, who we have been throughout the years. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so instead of um, tapping in to these resources that black girls have, they find ways to demonize and ostracize. So they're seen as aggressive or too loud or mm-hmm. masculine or things mm-hmm. that don't align with femininity and mm-hmm. white femininity to be exact. Great points. We're running out of time. If you can at least suggest some ideas of what school administrators or teachers or districts can do to respond to this. I know Yolanda talked about her work with pushing, uh, challenging teachers to reflect. And of course, more of this will be in their written commentaries. But if you could each share pretty briefly on your thoughts on this, Terry? Well, I think both teachers and school leaders need to simply listen to black girls. They need to trust black girls. They need to believe black girls. Black girls are fully capable of telling you just what the problems are in schools and ways in which to improve them. It's our job, if you will, to take these thoughts that they have and put them into action, create programs and centers and spaces where black girls can be free and celebrated and teachers and school leaders in this light can see them in their whole and full selves instead of playing into stereotypes that have historically marginalized not only black girls, but all children of color. So lead teachers and principals and districts should lead with their ears instead of the mouths. It sounds like. In their heart, most importantly. Ah, great point. Uh, Yolanda? I want to add, Larry, when you talked about, you know, teachers doing this reflection, but it's not just reflection. It's then taking action Mm -hmm. and reflecting Mm -hmm. with a critical humility, with a critical reflection. And I would also say, you know, do some reading, get some historical literacy and really understand um, the power of black families, the power of black girls um, historically and in a contemporary way. And once educators can make themselves literate in this way and humble in this way and do critical reflection, then they can move to action that can positively impact black girls 
instead of negatively impact them. Sounds sounds good. Talk is cheap. And mm-hmm. having, yeah, and, and having to act on it's about action. Absolutely. Right. Venus? I think that we need to encourage teachers to become co-conspirators with black girls. And also as we begin to consider uh, trauma-informed schools because it's being taken more seriously now, but trauma-informed schools should also look like gender-friendly schools so we need to actually start pushing back against the, the innocence of the teaching profession. So if we're going to look at childhood or uh, trauma experiences or ACEs, we also have to think that education historically has recruited adults who may have their own history of trauma. So not just placing the problem and the burden on young people, but also looking at what baggage our teachers are bringing into the profession. Right. So what are what are educators doing wrong in their efforts to try to connect to black girls? Oftentimes, educators try to connect in ways that are insincere and black girls see through it. Meaning mm. They try to forge bonds that are simply um, for the moment and not for a lifetime. They're basing their relationships on the appearance of friendship. But black girls don't need older friends, per se. They need teachers who love and care about them, and they love and care about them enough to hold them accountable, but also to listen and to have high expectations nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, teachers fall into um, the savior complex, wherein they want to take care of black girls. They want to remove them from their homes or do things that do not empower them. And we we white teachers, that's what... White savior, that's that's our thing, you know. I mean, it, you know, it's and it, and it's certainly glorified in the movies enough times. Uh, exactly, Yolanda. What I sometimes think is that there's an inaction that happens. So, in a there's one thing about acting out on stereotypes, but I also think that some teachers willingly. Um, are inactive. They have looked at the data. They know that there's injustice in their schools, so they know what's happening. But oftentimes, teachers are fearful of speaking up. And so, as we all know, the only thing, as my friend would tell me, the status quo needs for us to do is to do nothing at all. And the status quo will continue. And and oftentimes when, when Dr. Evans Winters talked about this idea of co-conspiratorship, which also um, Dr. Bettina Love talks about, is teachers don't really put their skin in the game. Mm-hmm. And um, when you don't really have your skin in the game, you're not as invested. And so what I would like to see are teachers, you know, understanding the data, seeing the injustices and stepping up and saying, no, not at my school, not for these girls. Venus? I think that one major misstep that some teachers make is that they try to become their students. Do not try to become your students. Our students know who they are. And so they begin to lose respect for the adults in the school who try to perform youthfulness and it's not natural. The one thing about black culture, African-American culture, is that young people are taught to respect and show deference to adults. So many teachers, when they try to become the students, they don't understand why they were the cool teacher yesterday, but Today, they are being disrespected because they actually lost respect uh, from the young people in their schools. Another misstep that many schools and teachers individually make is that they assume that black girls need role models. 
black girls have role models. So that's actually a misnomer throughout, you know, educational uh, practices and professional development. Black girls have role models that are cultural icons, that are athletes, that are ministers. Uh, as Terry said, their mothers are going out and going to work, their grandmothers, their aunts, their fathers, their uncles, they have role models. So the best thing is for teachers to be themselves and don't try to fix the black girls. Black girls are not broken. So to become co-conspirators, it means not only telling black girls that racism exists and that gender oppression exists, but also teaching them and equipping them with the tools to fight against racial and gender oppression inside and outside of schools. Great points. Well, great discussion. And I'd like to thank Terry Watson, Yolanda Celia Ruiz, and Venus Evans-Winters for, for participating in the discussion today. And I'd like to thank Terry for uh, guest editing a special uh, edition of Classroom Q&A, and Yolanda and Venus and others for contributing to it. Thanks again, everybody. Thanks for listening to Classroom Q&A. I'm Larry Ferlazzo. This program is produced by Accretive Media for the BAM Radio Network. Thanks for listening.